failure in many ways is the doorway to success. We learn how to walk by falling down. We learn how to get it right by doing it wrong. The pattern is, is this, as much as we try to deny it, we suffer to get well. We lose it to find it. We give it away to keep it. We die to live. That's the reality. But we've been sold this lie that forces us into this state of hypervigilance. Let's give a warm welcome for Jake Kaufman in the house. Good morning, Jake. How are you, my friend? Trevor, thank you so much for the warm welcome. I'm doing great, my man. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, you're another one of those world changers that I like to I like to talk to. Okay, and it's actually interesting because uh, I'm currently writing a book, and I know you're an author, and we'll get into that. I'm kind of writing a book right now. It's a very similar to to some of the things that you're teaching, and so uh, you know what? I'm always looking to level up and learn learn from the people who have already been there and done that. So that's why I'm super excited to have this conversation with you. But my first question I really want to dive into is, can you share your journey, okay, into the world of transformation coaching and spiritual mentoring? And like, what inspired you to take this path of guiding other people to unlock their potential? What what started that for you? Great question. Uh, and I appreciate you asking. Again, thanks for having me on the show. So this this all kind of started for me when I was in my mid to late 20s. I had really started to establish myself in my career, uh, started to experience some corporate success, started to climb the ladder, all of these various things were starting to work for me. But on some level, I was deeply unfulfilled with what I was doing. It's not that my talents or my abilities weren't being put to good use. They absolutely were. And I was very good at what I did. But I started to notice myself repeating various patterns in my life. And although I didn't have the language for at the time, what I would say to my clients today, what I'll say to you is that the pattern always reveals the problem. Tell me about that. The pattern always reveals the problem. Speak more into that. Tell me that. The results that we most consistently produce in our lives is a direct reflection of our deepest held belief. Our beliefs by virtue are that which is true. It's our truth. So if you have a truth, for example, that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable of X, Y, or Z, then of course that's going to dictate your thoughts, your attitude, your energy, your actions, and your decisions, which of course is what produces all of your results. So if you don't have the results in your life, in your business, or your relationships that you say you want, it's because on an unconscious level, you're actually committed to something else. Mm. No, that's so strong. That's biblical. That's it biblical. Is, truly. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the exact scripture, okay? So don't quote me, right? But is they talk about, you know, what you believe in your heart, you know, ends up flowing through your mouth. And then that's kind of like what you become. So it's like what you were talking about, your beliefs, right? End up, you know, your actions and everything else that you're doing. So if you believe that you're worthless, then you're going to go out there into the world and you're going to, you know, start speaking things negative upon yourself. And then your actions are going to be probably worthless actions. Like you're, you've already, you know what I mean? You're going to start doing things that aren't um, worthy of, you know, anything Potentially. great in life. Potentially. Yeah. Or, and this is, this is the case, especially with most high achieving, ambitious, driven men, entrepreneurs, people, what is that it causes them to actually overcompensate because mm. they have because they have something to prove, they have something mm. to they have something to protect, and Ooh. it cause it causes them to posture. Ooh, right. Hold the up. So let me get into that. That was me. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be real here. Okay. Sure. So growing up, uh, I, I mentioned kind of, as I did the intro into the show, I was in and out of juvie and made a lot of mistakes early on in life. and was kind of like, uh, kind of like a throwaway almost, uh, like, like the, the, they, I was not supposed to make it. Let's just put it that way anyways. So once I finally did, 
start to have some success in my life, it um, I was overcompensating. Like I, I like had to be the best. I had to be like I, there was a driver because I felt so, I guess, worthless. I felt like, you know, and I had to prove that I'm not. And so I was overcompensating for, for that. So let's talk about that. Same, same energy, different strategy. Okay. When you were a juvenile, mm-hmm. you rebelled. Yes. Then, yeah. <laughs> then you, then you, then you, then you started to mature and you're like, okay, this, this strategy doesn't really work. It's not that effective, right? It's getting me in trouble. Yeah. I'm going to try a different strategy, but it was coming from the same energy. Oh, no, I love that. I always, I'm actually writing in my book. I say a positive place to channel my energy because I had that energy. Right. I just needed to put it in a positive place, not a negative place, a positive place and um, not a destructive place. So I love that. I love that you said that because that's exactly what I talk about in my book. Right. So... Although the outcome was very, very different, right? In this case, it produced your success. Ultimately, the approach had you perform over top of your pain, over top of your neglect, over top of whatever abandonment or abuse that you experienced early on that initially caused you to rebel. Now it became this performative approach where you feel you turn you took that pain and you channeled it toward ambition right towards success towards being this high performing high achieving individual right but that had you perform over top of your pain your neglect your abuse whatever it was that you experienced early on in childhood this is true for most highly driven, highly ambitious, highly accomplished individuals, especially entrepreneurs. There's actually, they've actually done a lot of studies on this when it comes to the quote unquote right amount of trauma that it, that it takes for someone to experience to be successful, but ambitious. So, so are you saying, are you saying, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Are you saying all the underachievers out there, they just haven't had enough trauma in their life, right? They need to, they need a little bit more trauma, actually, more it trauma might, for your mama. It, actually, it's the opposite. It's likely that they experience too much. Oh, snap. Okay. So the underachiever experiences way too much trauma that they to, just kind of shut down to where it's crippling. Correct. Ooh. To where it's crippling. Obviously, this person is going to be prone to addiction, just like the high performer. But those addictions, those coping mechanisms are going to be debilitating to the point of crippling them from being able to achieve success in life. That's not typically the, the person that I serve, although that's a huge issue. Right? What is a much more sinister issue is the person who is constantly chasing after success, justifying it behind the guise of ambition, when in reality, it's addiction. Same energy, different strategy. And this is what I ultimately discovered, going back to how we started this conversation around my story. Here I am, this very accomplished individual, I'm climbing the corporate ladder, But on some deep inherent level, I'm left empty and wanting and I'm unfulfilled. So I intuitively knew that I needed to take a look underneath the hood. I needed to figure out what was driving all of this, right? What was responsible for the self-sabotaging behavior patterns that started to show up in my career, that started to show up in my romantic relationships that were consistent to where it started to become like this same package, different bow, same song, different dance type of scenario. Again, the pattern always reveals the problem. And so what did I need to do? I needed to go back into my past and address my pain because until we reconcile the pain from the past, what will we do? We will inevitably recycle it in the present moment. And so it was in the process of doing that, that I acknowledged and experienced 
that I went through growing up as sexual abuse. Mm. Me too, man. I I had that. I had that. Yep. It's rough, man. It's tough. I mean, you know, and for, for men, especially to, uh, to, to open up to that, you know what I mean? It's like, um, you you know, it's, it's hard, but, um, yeah. So anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, me too. You're fine. I, I'm sorry to hear that, but I appreciate you being willing to share and for your vulnerability. This happened when I was 12 or 13 years old. That for me was this catalyzing moment where all of a sudden I started to unconsciously mask, meaning I started to wear all of these different masks and take on all of these these different personality traits, compensating strategies in order to show up as quote unquote successful to act as if I was fine, as if I had it all together, et cetera, et cetera. So the image, the persona that I was projecting was of success. And it ultimately had me perform. And by perform, I mean operate from the space of this false persona that was not genuinely authentically me, but who I thought I needed to be in order to be loved, accepted, and successful that drove all of my behaviors because the last thing that I wanted was to get hurt in that way again, to get taken advantage of in that way again. And I say all of that to say this, true true transformation is much more about unbecoming, unlearning, and undoing than it is about Mm. learning, becoming, or doing. We have we hold have on, been hold on, hold on. we have been sold a lie. I'm gonna give you a mic drop for that. Hold <laughs> on. So what you're saying is, hold on, is that we've been you know uh, through our traumas and through our experiences and all the things we got going on in our life, we're wired a certain type of way, right? And so it's like, hey, we need to go in there, lift up the hood, and go in there and disconnect some of these wires that are kind of so scrambled up. And that's how we can uh, perform better. That's how we can transform instead of going in here and saying like, oh, let me read this book and let me uh, all, you know, trying to put new stuff in us. We need to go fix some of the old stuff that's been discombobulated. We need to go and and fix that up first. A hundred percent. Until I have not done. Can I be honest with you, Jake? Let me tell you something. That's what I have not done. I need to go um, in, in, I need to go, I don't know, maybe go see a therapist or something, man. Cause I had a lot of trauma. I had a lot of stuff. Okay. And, and I know it shows up. I know it shows up from time to time. Uh, you know, and maybe I'm doing certain things in my life because of some of that stuff. I'm sure there are a lot of that is. So, um, yeah, I need to like, go, go, go talk to somebody, man. Maybe you, maybe Jake is my man. And I could, I could holler at you and, uh, we could figure some of this out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe yeah. what's up. Well, here's what I know is that until you reconcile your pain, all of your success will feel incomplete and insufficient. Ooh. Oh, dang. Hold up. Hold on. Another mic drop. Okay. Let me just say, okay. So my father, he's an entrepreneur. Okay. And uh, he has this thing called contentment. Okay. He's at peace. Like he has this calm cool, collected, just peace and contentment that I've always admired and I've always wished I could have. Like, but I just don't, I'm never like, doesn't matter where I'm at in my journey, my career. It's like, I can't stop to smell the roses because I'm always looking forward. And I think that's part of the trap of, you know, they talk about dream big and vision and look forward and da, 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 is that you're not present. And, and so that's been some of my challenge is like, how do you, how do you balance that? And it sounds like what you're saying is until I go and take care of some of that mess from the past, I'm never going to be, I'm never going to have that peace, that calm, that contentment. Is that right? Correct. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. That what you just described is an incredibly common ad- adaptive strategy in order to not be present because what's what's in the present moment how you feel 
If you're constantly projecting yourself into the future, you get to avoid how you ultimately feel in the present moment. So that's actually a very, very advanced adaptive strategy in order to not experience pain. Like this is some deep stuff. Like seriously, I know I've got some unresolved issues I need to go in the past and kind of get some things worked out. Um, especially if I'm going to, I, I know that a big part of what you do is, is help leaders, but you know, people to, to become better leaders. And I know that's something that I strive to be, and I know I need work in, and how, you know, how can you lead, you know, when you still got a bunch of mess you're dealing with yourself. So go get that mess resolved so that you can go lead people, right? Correct. Our primary task should not be to seek after success, but to seek after and find all of the barriers within us that stand against it. Because to your point, you talk about scripture. What good is it if I gain the whole world but lose my soul? Right? The amount of incredibly successful entrepreneurs that I coach, seven multi-seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs who on the outside looking in, they have it all together. On paper, they're incredibly successful, but they're anxious. They struggle to be at peace. They're empty and wanting or fundamentally unfulfilled. It is profound. It is profound when you actually sit down and you have an honest conversation with most of these people about how they truly feel, about how they truly feel, if they're even able to connect with how they feel in this moment. I'm telling you right now, they are unsurprisingly, at least to me unsurprisingly, some of the most unhappy people that I've ever worked with. Mm. which is why the well, man okay. who is go ahead no 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 go ahead i was just going to say the man who is constantly seeking success outside of himself is controlled by the temporary but he who looks within awakens to the eternal which is the contentment the contentment that you talked about the peace that goes beyond that goes beyond understanding yeah that's what Everyone is ultimately after. We're all chasing a feeling. I want more money so that I can feel. I want more success so that I can be fill in the blank. At the end of the day, we're all just chasing after a feeling. Right? That's Un so strong, man, because I will tell you, like I was saying about my father, right? So my father, you know, content calm, cool, collected, peace. Like that's what you see. And that's, you know, that's, that's the, that's the vibe, the energy. And it's like amazing. And I've always wanted that. And it's like, but you know, he wasn't always, you know, like he was an entrepreneur and a business owner and he, but he wasn't like trying to take over the world with his business. Like he, he was, he was, you know, content with what came in and, and, um, you know what I'm saying? Again, he didn't like, wasn't trying to just grow and take over the world. He was, he was very content with what he, what came in and um, he vacationed more than anybody I ever knew. Like, I mean, he was always somewhere doing something and taking time off when, when things, when business wasn't, you know, booming, he would take time off. Actually. It's the opposite of where I'm at. Like if business isn't booming, I'm like, Holy crap. I go into like panic and, and like, Oh, what do we need to do? We got to double it. down. Like, we get, yep. Yeah, we got to double down. It's like, you know, he was like, hey, you know what? That's the blessing of uh, owning your own business is that like, hey, sometimes it's going to be booming. And that's when you're going to grind. And then sometimes it's going to be slow. And that's when you get the privilege to go travel and do whatever you wanted. That was his approach. Yeah. And I was, I'm, which I'm is like rare. That's that's rare. Um, someone that crazy or what? Like my dad, I gotta, I gotta learn from him. Hold up. Well, it, it's, it's not, it's not crazy, despite the fact that it's rare. It just, it continues to prove the point that oftentimes our greatest strength, in this case, so many men's ability 
to be assertive, determined, self-motivated, disciplined, ambitious, right? The grind. Oftentimes, oftentimes our greatest strength is simply an adaptation or an overcompensation to avoid experiencing pain. The push, push, push that drives most men to be successful is actually an unconscious attempt to claim victory over their insecurities, over their pain, over the lack of self-worth that has manifested as a result of their pain, that they're just performing their way around. And by performing, again, I simply mean operating from the space of this false persona that is not actually authentically them, but who they think they need to be in order to be loved, accepted, or successful. Mm. You know, I saw a picture of uh, Steve Jobs, okay? And I don't really, you know, follow his story or all that kind of stuff all that well. But, you know, I just saw this post and I was like, I guess he's he was in his 50s or something. He got cancer or something like that. But he looked like crap, like the last days, right? Like he looked just tore down. But it was like the post was essentially about what you were saying about what good is it to to – you know, win the world, but lose your soul, essentially. Like he, he just looked like he worked himself to death, man. Again, this is actually really, really common. Um, even amongst incredibly successful entrepreneurs, um, Gary Vanderchuk actually has a really awesome story about this where when he was, I believe he was in middle school and an older high school, uh, excuse me, a whole older high schooler got a Ferrari or a Lamborghini gifted to him for like his birthday. And he came to the school and he gave everyone a ride in the, in the car, except for Gary. And he has admitted many times publicly that that snub is what drove him to be hyper successful so that he could rub it in everyone else's faces. So, so his, his, and I mean, when you think about all of the people that have contributed to hustle culture over the past like 10, 15 years. If I had, if I had you list out 10 people, I bet Gary Vanderchuk would be in the top five easily. Oh yeah. He's on right? that list. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And this isn't, this isn't a condemnation of Gary. This is simply to prove the point that I'm trying to make here, which is that Ultimately, his drive, his ambition, his assertiveness that caused him to push, push, push was ultimately in response to pain. Which means that no matter how much success he creates for himself, what is still there, what is he still left to deal with at the end of the day? His pain. Because all he's been doing is performing his way over top of it or around it, which is why any coach who is worth their salt is going to guide you directly into your problems and not around them. Mm. Yeah, you got to deal with the mess, right? You got to deal with the mess. So I heard um, I heard Tom Brady, okay, at the 10X Growth Conference this year. I heard Tom Brady, and uh, he, he – uh, I loved – Okay, so first of all, his drive, right? Like, everybody knows that guy is a straight beast, right? Insatiable. Beast. Yeah, and so that mindset, right, of, of that kind of a champion. And I was, they were asking him, you know, the questions about his drive. And, you know, at first you would think he just wanted to win. It was just about winning and being the best, like being recognized and getting the trophy and, like, maybe more of a narcissistic type of, uh, you know, trait where you just want to be the best and be viewed and everybody, you know, you know, cheer you on and, ah, you know, but that's actually not where it came from. It actually came from him not wanting to disappoint others. Um, you know, yeah, it came from a self of like, I, I don't, Especially, I think, I, th I think, especially when they started calling him the goat, right? After he maybe won a couple, and then all of a sudden they're saying, "Hey, this guy's the goat," and then all of a sudden now you got that on your, you got this weight on your shoulder, like you have to step into that. Well, I'm glad you brought up Tom Brady because do you know what he said after he won his first Super Bowl? I thought that this would feel different. What that tells me, 
the underlying implication beneath that statement is this. The reason that I ultimately wanted to be great, to be a champion, was to your point, what you said, I didn't want to be a disappointment to other people. So he won, and guess what he was still left to confront? The The possible disappointment of other people. And the belief about himself that fueled that. That fueled that. So he reached the mountaintop. He, you know, accomplished the pinnacle, you know, won a Super Bowl, was the MVP of that Super Bowl. And he was still left to confront and deal with the belief that he harbored about himself that made him think that he needed to be great in order to not be a disappointment to other people. Because if you think about it, what is the belief that's beneath that statement? I don't want to be a disappointment to other people. It's, I am a disappointment. So his drive, his drive, his, his ambition was just a compensating strategy to avoid experiencing the painful emotions attached to that belief that I am a disappointment. That's like super strong. And I can actually relate, uh, in a way because I've had, uh, times where again, you know, I was overachieving and, uh, you know, gotta be the best and, you know, winning the trophy, like in my world, the trophy, and I was, you know, the top producer and all this kind of stuff. And I remember (laughs) me too. I remember (laughs) I remember a specific time where I got into financial services and it was like, I got to be the best. I got to win the trophy. Okay. Got to be the top producer. And I remember just grinding it out and, um, and I did it. Okay. And I did it and it was, it was awesome. It was that Super Bowl moment, right? I got to go up on the big stage and everybody's celebrating me and we're dressed to the nines. It was, uh, it was an Oscars theme. I got the Oscars trophy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, they had the song. All I do is win, 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 no matter what, what, what. It'll go on the stage, right? And I'm like, yes. It was like a Super Bowl moment. And I remember the next day feeling empty, feeling just empty. Like, and I don't know where that feeling came from, but I just know that every time I've hit that, mark i've always the next day felt the most empty i've ever felt in my life like can you explain maybe where that comes from is it just i've released all the like i don't know the the chemicals the dopamine or whatever the stuff that's inside that that makes you feel that that heightened level of just is if i just is it just a chemical thing like i've released it all and so now i'm just like that Dead? is part of it. Yes, that is part okay. of it. Yes. And if you watch, okay. um, if, if you're familiar with Andrew Huberman from Huberman Lab, he talks a lot about this, where okay. in those pinnacle moments, right, your your brain is obviously flooded with dopamine. Um, mm. And then obviously, there's there's the come down, right? So you experience mm. this elation of your, mm. your brain being flooded with dopamine. Um, and, and then obviously, it, it drains out and you have this come down experience. Um, which can feel slightly depressive, but very what depressive I, actually very yep. depressive. Like I, I am not a depressed person. Yep. But in those moments after I've hit and 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 crushed it and got that Super Bowl, you yep. know, ring, it's like the next day I feel super depressed. Absolutely, and, totally. Uh, and so I've always wondered that, like, what is it about that that makes yep. you feel that way? You know right. what I mean? from a spiritual perspective, right? Cause what we just talked about was more so like the biological um, perspective, the brain based perspective of, of experiences like that. But here's what I will say from a spiritual perspective, the hyper masculine game that most men play in order to become successful was always meant to fall apart. It has to, that's the only way that we can go from this phase or this stage that is defined by our own self-importance to this stage or this phase where we know peace and contentment 
But what allows us to get from here to there? What allows us to go from, you know, this, this hyper-masculine, hyper-vigilant game that causes us to push, push, push in the name of success or achievement to ultimate peace and contentment? It's suffering. It's the only, it's the only thing that we'll do. And that's what happens. That's what happens when we confront our pain. Before Jesus ascended into heaven, where did he, what happened? He descended into hell. Right. This is the pattern that this is the true pattern that we try to deny all mm, the time. Can I, can I ask on that? Like when you said that, it brought something to my mind. Okay. It brought something to my mind. Okay. It's kind of like you can't appreciate, fully appreciate the sunlight without some rain. You know, like you, you can't fully appreciate joy without some pain. Right. And so like when you were just saying that, when you were saying before he went up into heaven, he went down into to hell. And like, you know, like that, 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 that kind of just brought that to my mind. Like, you know what? It's almost a gratitude game. Okay. Um, you got to go through some, some struggle and some pain and some, uh, what was the words you just used? Um, uh, not the, the words you just used. It was not torment, but struggle, suffering, not suffering, the, suffering. The, yeah. You yeah. gotta go through some, you gotta go through some stuff, right. To, right. to, to wake up and like, man, smell those roses and be like fully appreciative and in peace and in contentment. You've got to have gone through some things, right? Correct. I mean, like you mentioned, um, failure in many ways is the doorway to success, right? We learn, we learn how to walk by falling down. We learn how to get it right by doing it wrong, right? The, the pattern is, is this, as much as we try to deny it, we suffer to get well, we lose it to find it. We give it away to keep it. We die to live. That's, that's the reality. That is the reality, but we've been sold this, this lie that forces us into this state of hypervigilance. I don't know if you've noticed this, and this is not to put you on the spot, but do you notice how you grab at the collar of your shirt? Mm, do I? No, I don't notice this. <laughs> what do I do, man? You got to tell me. Hold up. What do I do? You got to show me. Everybody on Clubhouse, you're not watching online. You need to be watching online. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. Okay. That, that's a sign of an unexpressed flight response. An unexpressed flight response. Yeah. Okay. Talk fight, to me. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Yep. All of the mm -hmm. basic survival strategies, right? Right. Just like the wiggling in your chair that you're doing right now. Oh, yeah. From a, psycho, a, from, from a psychosomatic perspective, these are signs of an unexpressed flight response, which tells me that You've experienced some trauma. We've all experienced trauma, to be clear, because we now know that trauma is much more about what happened inside of us as a result of what happened compared to what actually happened, meaning how we internalized it, the beliefs and the stories that we made up about ourselves as a result, like Tom Brady thinking, I'm a disappointment. Therefore, I don't want to be a disappointment to other people in my life. Therefore, I'm going to be the best and I'm going to adopt this hyper masculine, hyper successful persona that will settle for nothing less, right? We've all experienced trauma. That's not the question. The question is how have we internalized it? What were the beliefs, the stories that we have made up about ourselves as a result that continues to drive our behavior that keeps us trapped in suffering? And for most people, that looks like being addicted to success or being addicted to achievement that is easily justified behind the guise of being ambitious, having a growth mindset, having a strong, powerful work ethic, wanting to leave a legacy or have an impact. Mm, those are some words I use. Right. What an impact. Yep. You I'm know not, what I'm saying? Make an impact, you know, totally. which I do, right? Right? Uh, right. Actually, it's funny. So my driver now has shifted a little bit in my life where it was money, then it was 
trophies and six and, and like the, the winning the trophy, right. Being the best. Uh, uh, and then, then now it is impact. Like I'm actually I, like production is still, obviously it has to be, um, but it's not the most top of mind thing that I think about all the time. And now it's more like when I get those messages that come back, man, this message really helped me or man, I, you know, you don't understand. Like you, you prevented me from committing suicide. Like that is actually a big one for me. I get a lot of those messages. So like that one. So impact is important, but talk to me more about that. Cause it sounds like it's still maybe a, maybe a mask of something sure. deeper. Totally. And, and this is in part, a lot of the work that I do with, you know, I do with my clients, there's the conscious motivation excuse me, there's the conscious desire and then there's the unconscious motivation, right? For example, the conscious desire for Tom Brady was to be the best, was to be great, was to win championships. The unconscious motivation, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to be the best or wanting to be great at something. But the unconscious underlying motivation beneath that conscious desire was what? I'm a disappointment. And therefore, in order to not be a disappointment, I need to be the best. I need to strive for greatness. That's where the juice is. That's what has most men struggle with anxiety, depression, and suicide. From a spiritual perspective, it's what has us reach these or have these pinnacle experiences, but wake up the next day and be in this depressive state because we haven't reconciled, we haven't fully reconciled the pain from the past. And therefore, after this pinnacle experience is over, what are we left to still confront? The same pain, even, even if we're unaware of it. Now, even if you are aware of it, there's a big difference between uncovering something and undoing it. There's a very big distinction there. Okay, Our, let's talk about that. Cause, cause I know, okay, uncovering yeah. something, I know what my trauma is, man. Okay. Right, right, right. Yeah, most most people I do. I know what I've been through, okay? <laughs> right. I know it. I mean, I'm writing a book about it, okay? Yeah, I'm putting sure. it in detail and, and let, I'm about to let the world know yep. what's going down and what yep. happened. But anyways, uh, so, but that doesn't, I don't know if it necessarily uh, undoes anything or, 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 you know, solves anything. So talk Correct. to me about how do we undo some of this uh, yep. bad wiring. Yep. Well, it's, it's the distinction between, you know, realizing that like, oh, there's rats in the attic. <laughs> mm. um, that doesn't change the fact that there's rats in the attic. That just That's means you become, that just means you've become aware of the issue. You still have to, you still have to hire a pest control person and you still have to have them come it's in. It's almost and, worse to know. Cause like they say, ignorance, ignorance is bliss, right? right? So like, correct. like now, okay. Now that I know there's, there's rats in the attic. Now I actually have to do something about it. That correct. Seems- yeah, exactly. Now I actually have to address the problem. Now I actually have to right. confront, confront the issue. And that's, right, that's right, obviously right. the hard part. Um, how to undo this. Every hero needs a guide at the end of the day. Every hero needs a guide. And by that, I mean all of us need someone who is capable of taking us to places within ourselves that we are incapable of getting to on our own. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean by that. The number one goal of the ego is to maintain the status quo. How does it do that? Or what is the best way for it to do that? It's to hide the truth from you. So it takes these beliefs. It takes these stories that we make up about ourselves from a very, very young age oftentimes because of beliefs that were projected onto us or a result of parenting or a result of our environment or our early childhood experiences. The majority of our cognitive development happens between the ages of two and seven. So you think about that. I'm 37. So the vast majority of my cognitive development happened over 30 years ago. Right. 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 And, and so this wait, wait, hold on. I want to tell before you move on. I, I don't mean to keep interrupting you, but there was you're fine. what what you're saying. I want to speak to because I actually did this post. I saw somebody else did it, so I kind of uh, mimicked it. And basically, what the post was was when I was, you know, eight years old, 
this happened when I was nine years old, this happened when I was 10 years old, this happened. And you go through your entire, like every year, like, like right down, you know, uh, and so I went through and from the age like eight to 16, there was a lot of trauma. So there's an eight year period, but I'm 36 years old, right? So there was an eight year period that really had the potential. Let me just put it to this way with the grace of God, it didn't, but it had the potential to absolutely completely destroy my life. Just this small little eight year period. And it's this eight year period where all the mess is and all the, where I need to go lift up underneath the hood and start doing some unwiring. So, right. Um, yep. Because until, until we start to rewire our beliefs, the beliefs that we picked up as children are still running the show. That's so crazy. Like, why is that so like as a child, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, like, well, it's a, it's I a self, it's that. a self protective it's... strategy at the end of the mm -hmm. day. Right. Like the mess we have as children really, really, really makes an impact in people's lives. People are acting foolish in their 50s and 60s for right. some mess they had when they were nine years old or 10 years old. Right. It's right. like, why are you yep. still acting a fool? You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Uh, over something that happened again, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Like, it's crazy to me, but it's, yep. it's, it's so true. Yeah. Well, the ego prefers almost anything to dying. Because that's what suffering feels like. That's what confronting our pain, our past, our trauma, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, or whether it's just emotional trauma, which we've all, we've all been through. That feels like dying. And the ego prefers almost anything else to dying. So we would much rather continue to operate, you know, under this illusion, right, than to actually confront our pain. Right. We would much rather continue to go on being right about what doesn't serve us than wrong about what does. I'll say that again. The ego would much rather be right about what doesn't serve us than wrong about what does. Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. So how does one. OK, mm -hmm. what are some practical steps? OK, yep. for someone like me. OK, yep. I just want you to say, hey, Trevor, you got some drama for your baby mama. OK, you need to go back <laughs> and fix that up. Yep. OK, like yep. what, what are some practical things that you would tell someone like me to mm -hmm. go lift up underneath the hood and get some work done? Do I need to go yep. out and seek, you know, some professional Yep. Uh, uh, support because I can't do it on my own or yep. like I'm writing the book and the book has been kind of healing for me actually to be writing oh, that stuff. Yeah. Just like mine That's was for healing. me. Yeah. And I, and I think by putting it out, it will be even more healing because no one's yeah. really read it yet. So, yep. um, but, but what are some, again, practical steps, things that I can do yep. to help uh, unwire some of this? Yep. Well, the first step is awareness. Number one. Okay, I got that. Bing, right. oh, done. Ding, done. Um, <laughs> re re real briefly, if you're lacking in awareness, some incredible, okay. some incredible ways to create new levels of awareness. Journaling is great. Meditation is fantastic. Reading self-help or self-growth books, listening to podcasts like this, great ways to create awareness. Now, here's the thing that people need to understand. Uh, awareness doesn't mean any change has actually taken place or any transformation has actually occurred. Again, there's a huge difference between uncovering something. This is meaning to come into awareness of it. Rats versus, in the attic. Right. Rats in the attic versus yeah. undoing it and yeah. actually working through the issue, working through the interpersonal challenge or problem or historical pain. The second step is just that is in the undoing, is in the acceptance, is in the dying to our old false self that is constantly, however consciously or unconsciously, overcompensating in an attempt to outrun the pain from my past. And that's when I would suggest that you have to hire a coach, hire a therapist, or a counselor, because we can only accomplish so much on our own because our ego is actively working to hide things from us, right? Which is why we all have blind spots. Tiger Woods had a coach. Michael Jordan had a coach. They were the best. And they knew 
that they still had blind spots, right? Because you can't see the forest through the trees. You can't read yep. the label from inside the box. The bottle. Yeah. Right. Yep, exactly. And so you have to hire support at a certain point in time in order to be able to break through your interpersonal challenges or limitations so that you can live up to your full potential. That is the reality. And that's what my book is about. It's it's a blueprint for growth. It's a blueprint. Well, well hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I do want to, I want to yep, go yep. like this because do it. let's talk about that for just a second. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, and not to push back or anything like that. Cause I, trust me, I mean, I'm like, I got the mess. I'm aware I've got some uh, uh, rats in the attic. Right. So, but however, like, let's go back to the Tom Brady. Okay. He had, he had some trauma, some undealt trauma that, that drove him to be the goat. Right. Right. Like I said, I'm saying, so, okay. On one end, this, this, this trauma Right. Like you said, they did stats on it and, and, and it, some of the top pro, uh, producers and achievers in the world have undealt with mess. So is it necessarily on one end, like, is it a bad thing? Or or if you want to just be the best and crush it and go out and do this, you know, change the world. Do you need some of that mess? Sure. I don't know, man. Talk to me. Here's what I would say is that grace creates the void that grace alone can fill. Mm. Wait, say it again. Grace? Or God, if you prefer that language. God creates the void that God alone can fill. Mm. Oh, my God. Hold up. Mm. Mic drop. He creates the void Correct. that only he can fill. Wow. He, wow, that's good. He allows us to go through suffering he creates this void within us that in a success driven achievement oriented society we constantly are looking to things outside of ourselves to fill this void that exists within ourselves but the only thing that will ever suffice is a higher purpose and a higher power yep. that's it so so okay so let's just say right you get the attic you get the rats out of the attic yep Okay. But those rats that were in the attic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you get the rats out of the attic and you fill that void, but let's yep. say those rats were what was keeping you up and keep yep. and keeping you. That was your driver. That was your motivator. Yep. That was your thing that yep. was pushing you. So how do you replace that? What do you do now? Are you just, are, are you less like you have less mm -hmm. uh, motivation fuel in the tank? Yeah. No. Less motivation. No more. No. And, he, and here's why. More. And here's okay. why. Okay. What fills the void? God, spirituality, yeah. a relationship with a higher purpose and a higher power. It's a higher force for mm. living. Ooh. It's a it's a higher force for living. So, ooh, your 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 fuel. Hold on, hold on. So correct. so instead of your mess being your fuel, right? They say turn your mess into your message. Okay, right. which I I like that. But yep. instead of your mess being your fuel. Now you're putting that supernatural in you. That super net that super Correct. Food, right? We got that Correct. that 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 yeah. you know that premium, okay? Premium yeah. gasoline, okay? We're not yes. putting that unleaded, right? We're putting right. that premium gasoline in the tank. Correct. Yep, cuz if you if you Ooh. think this is a great this is a great way to think about it. If you use your mess to inform your message, right? Your purpose, right? That works. It does. The question is not whether it works or not. The question is, is it sustainable? And in my experience in coaching incredibly successful people, some of whom you probably know because they're having a huge impact in the world of, of social media, of the online coaching space, in the self-help world. In my experience, the answer is no, it's not sustainable. It leads most people to burnout to feeling anxious, overwhelmed, stressed out, struggling, feeling empty and wanting, where nothing is ever, nothing's never enough, kind of like Tom Brady, right? He constantly needed another Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, mm -hmm. right? Lost his wife through that stuff, through that lost, match, right? Lost his wife because of that, exactly. Right, right. right. And so... 
using your message, using your mess as fuel it is a great driver. But in my experience, it's kind of like gasoline. Gasoline is an incredible fuel, but it burns fast and it burns quickly. Right. We need a more sustainable fuel. And that's what spirituality does. That's what a relationship with a higher power does for us. It's a higher force for living. So it's significantly more sustainable and it, it actually can withstand suffering because I promise you, if, if, you know, you or anyone who is listening to this, the, the price that you will have to pay in order to, you know, quote unquote, reach your full potential. And I realize that is somewhat esoteric in nature. The price that you will have to pay is suffering. We don't, we can't achieve our way to our full potential. That is a complete and utter myth that we have been, that we have bought into hook, line and sinker. The reality is we don't achieve our way to our full potential. We die our way there. Oof. Oh, man. I heard somebody say, um, you know, hell is when you die and, and you go and you go to them pearly gates, right? And you meet you meet the true version of yourself, the, the highest potential, the, the, the greatest version of yourself. And you meet that person. Okay. And that's hell, right? Like, dang, this is the person I could have been. Right. Yeah. We're all of a sudden yeah. the, the person you could have, could have been meets who you really are, who you um, really are. Right. R- absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's when you think about, if we go back to scripture, Jesus was constantly talking about dying to the, to the flesh. I, I believe, and a lot of a lot of Christian mystics believe that the flesh was actually just referring to the false self, the false self, who we think we need to be in order to be loved, accepted, and successful. So the key to living is to die before you die, metaphorically speaking die to this persona, this person who you've become, right? And that's what our, that's what our personality is. The word personality derives from the Latin word persona, which quite literally means mask. So when you think about that, your personality is not who you are. It's who you've become largely in response to pain. This is so deep, man. This is so deep. I I love, love, love this conversation. I, like, I seriously could talk to you all day, and I definitely want to talk offline for sure. Um, I do want to ask a couple more uh, quick questions before we wrap up here. Um, first question is, I want to know about your book, okay? Let Love In. Okay, I love the title, by the way. Let Love In, The Pain Stops When the Truth Starts. Okay, so I love the title. Can you give the audience uh, a glimpse into the core message and um, just maybe a couple of key takeaways? I know we've been talking probably a lot about it already, but core message, key takeaways. Yep. Well, I mean, I admittedly, I could have titled uh, the book, Let Success In, Let Love In, (laughs) right? Uh, Let Vitality In. I could have named it any of those things. The reason being, we all have a threshold in terms of what we feel safe to receive, in terms of financial abundance, in terms of success, in terms of love, in terms of career opportunity. Anything that exceeds that threshold, that goes beyond it, we experience it internally in our nervous system as a threat. And so what will we do? However, consciously or unconsciously, we will push it away. And this is, <laughs> this is, um, depicted incredibly well if you're familiar with the stat uh the stats around lottery winners over 70 percent of lottery winners either go broke or are in a worse position financially prior to have won the lottery within like three to four years very i already quick, know right very Absolutely. quickly i already know i do not want to win the lottery i know that for yep. sure because right. it will destroy me because i i will it would it would just destroy yep. me. i already know i already know yep so the big the big The big thing about the book, as I was going through what we will refer to as this deconstruction process of dying to this identity, this persona that I had unconsciously built all of these masks that I had started to wear in an attempt to not get abused again, not get hurt again. All of those things had to come falling down 
and they had to fall apart in order for me to experience the contentment, the joy, the peace that we are all ultimately after, regardless of what regardless of what your personal goals are, regardless of what your vision is for your life, the impact that you have on the world, your purpose. Whether you're aware of it or not, I truly believe we all have a divine purpose. Some people know what that is and they're actively pursuing it. Other people are in search of it. Regardless, the best way to either fulfill your purpose or discover your purpose is through your pain. Not to use your pain as fuel, but to reconcile your pain so that you can go on this further, larger journey, right? Where you get caught up in transformation and transcendence. And you're brought into a relationship with a higher purpose and a higher power, a higher force for living that ultimately is what will be the key to you reaching your full potential. Man, I love it. I love it, Jake. Let me just tell you something. And I got one more question before we wrap this up. Okay. So obviously it's very clear to me, you know, you're a faith driven man, right? Uh, in this world of like cancel culture and all these kinds of things that are going on here, a uh, lot of, lot of pushback, a lot of pushback from, from, you know, whatever you want to call it. But have you experienced any of that firsthand? Uh, have you experienced because you're, you're obviously very um, open about your faith in God and things like that. And, and, and so have you experienced any pushback or anything like that? I'm just curious. Um, I, a little bit, um, I have been, you know, as someone who has an online business, obviously it requires that I consistently market myself. And so, you know, I've been told that I'm self-righteous, that I'm full of myself, which I mean, it doesn't bother me whatsoever because I'm very well aware of the fact that we see as we are. So people who see me in that way or experience me in that way, that's that's their story. It's their filter, right? It's it's their interpretation. We see we see as we are. So I realize that their experience of me has nothing to actually do with me. But you know what I will offer as a lesson around this because I always see this as a really poignant conversation. You know, most of the world is operating in a split, meaning we feel like we need to pick a side, Democrat, Republican, you know, pro LGBTQ, anti LGBTQ, right? Because we can't deal with the inherent tension that is present in every paradox. That's why we can't deal with the fact that ultimately it's never an either or conversation. It's a mm both and conversation, right? Yeah. Gary V talks can, a lot about that too. Right. Yeah. Can I, can I, yep. dis, can I fundamentally disagree with you and still show love to you? That's, that's where we need to get to y'all. Right. Quit, quit, quit all the hate is all I'm saying. And I think, you know, uh, they talk about hurt people, hurt people, right? So, so these people online, I'm seeing from what I see is people are really hurting, man. Like there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. And so like, let's, let's be, let's have a little empathy for other people's pain. And if you get somebody trolling you understand that that person is hurting. Okay. You got to think of where, where that person has to be to put that much energy and just blah, 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 in the chat or whatever, in the comments, like that person's really got to be kind of at a low point in their life. And so, yeah, like, yeah, it's and and I was talking about on this on the last episode too. It's like, hey, you know what? Um, it's always uh, the people watching the game that that are are the most critical. Okay, they're not in the game playing. Okay, but they want to act like they're the coach. Okay, they're in they're in the the stands over there yelling at you. You suck. You know, blah blah blah. And they're just you know, they're not playing. So why are you worried about somebody who's not even in the game? Don't worry about it, okay? Matter of fact, I have a formula to how to turn a hater into a raving fan. If you want to know how to turn them into a raving fan, right? Take it out of the comments section, okay? Do not respond in the comments. Why? Because the comments is a public forum. 
okay? And you'll never win that battle in public, okay? They just blasted you in public, and if you respond in public, you're done, okay? You'll never win that battle. However, take it to a DM and just say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate your comment. Thank you so much, you know, for giving me your perspective, right? Um, you know, I just want to make sure, though, is everything okay? Are you all right? Is everything good? Can I help you? Can I serve you? Can I do anything for you? Okay. Is there anything I can do for you? Is everything okay? And you know what? They will, most of the time, okay, they're going to feel like crap that they blasted you because you took the grace approach, okay, and and you took it offline, you took it to a DM privately, and you asked them, hey, man, is everything okay? Are you all right, man? Can I help you? Is there anything I can do for you? And all they want is attention anyways. These people just want attention. And so all of a sudden you give them the attention that they're requiring, but you're doing it in a way like, hey, man, is everything okay? You good? And you'll be surprised. A lot of times they're like, man, I'm sorry. I, I really didn't, but whatever. I just felt, you know, this or that. And, you know, thank you so much for, you know, duh, 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 duh. and all of a sudden you flip them into a raving fan for you because you showed them some love and some grace and some appreciation. But if you respond in the comments, it's not going to go well. It just won't. What are your thoughts on that? The law of energy. If you run your life, if you operate your business based on universal law, you can't help but win. And the law of energy is exactly what you just spoke into. I, whether or not you realized it is a, another conversation. When someone leaves a hateful comment, right, on one of your posts or your content, and you respond to it, you're just amplifying the energy around it. That's all, that's all you're doing it. You're just adding fuel to the fire in other words. So the law of energy states wherever our, our focus goes, energy flows. And so when we respond, like you mentioned, we we're just adding fuel to the fire. So the best way to quench the fire is to actually do nothing. But if our ego still has something to prove something to protect, or if we're posturing, well then we're not going to be able to deal with not saying anything. Mm. Right. We're yeah, going to triggers us. It triggers us on the inside. You Bingo. Know, we're like, you know what, you know? Yep. Um, so I totally get you. Cause that's usually where it comes from for me to respond is like, I, I, I want to, like, I want to respond. I want to handle this cause I'm a problem solver. And so to me, this is a problem, right. And I'm trying to solve the problem. And, um, but I've also noticed by doing it, when you turn them into a raving fan, you flip them. Okay. Show them the, 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 the attention that they're seeking. They're, they're attention seekers, right? That's all it is. So all of a sudden you do that, you, you turn them into a raving fan. And what happens is in the future, let's just say someone else is blasting you in, in the comments, this person will actually come and defend you. It's crazy. I've seen it before where they're in the comments like, nah, man, but like they all of a sudden they're your best, freaking fan like so that's why i do it is i'm trying to flip them i'm trying to just convert them real quick into raving fans instead of haters you know it'd be like i'll give you an example it'd be like okay if you're watching a sports game okay like if i'm watching a, a cowboys game and let's say dak prescott right just blows the game and i'm in the fans like dak you suck man you what man why are you you piece of garbage and i'm just blasting him from the from the stands right but then imagine dak heard me and was like dude hey man come on over here and like took me out out of the environment of the of the other fans who are haters too took me out took me to the side took me to the locker room and said man dude i'm out here trying man you know what i'm saying i, I appreciate you dude i'm gonna try harder man are you okay though is everything good i would feel like oh snap dak just like right and I would never hate on him again. You would never see me in the stands ever, ever, ever doing that again. Matter of fact, next game, the hater that's next to me who's yelling at Dak, I'm going to be like, dude, shut up, man. Dak's awesome, man. He's trying. He's like, look look at him, you know? Man, uh, Jake, I just got to tell you, this has been an awesome conversation. I literally could go all day with this, like literally. Um, but uh, tell me real quick, where's the best place for the uh the audience and the listeners to connect with you i want them to blow you up man uh what's the best place for the audience to connect with you personally so the best place to connect with me is either via my website awakewithjake.com 
or my Instagram, which is I am Jake Kaufman. So that's J-A-K-E-K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. Amazing. Well, Jake, we appreciate you so stinking stinking much. Guys, that's the show. It's all about who you know. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Who You Know Show podcast. My name is Trevor Houston, and if you've enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing wherever you listen and leave us a positive review to help us keep the mics on in the studio. Until next week, that's the show. It's all about who you know. Who you know.